The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Kent Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition. We've got plenty of questions to answer. Five-star reviews, Gmail questions, and your questions from Twitter. We've got plenty to cover. And here to help me do that, as always, are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, hello. What is good with you, my friend? I have finally completely finished my duck house slash duck run this past weekend. There is now a roof on it. Everything is hopefully predator-proof. So... I have now ended a project that has taken me like a month and a half trying to make sure that it was completely finished. So (laughs) I'm feeling great. Not a lot of football to talk about because really not a whole lot new has happened since then. So we are glad to take your guys' questions this week. And I think I'm also glad to be joined by Kent and my other great friend, Craig Stout, a.k.a. the Renaissance Man, a.k.a. Hollywood Hop. I think there's been some clamoring from the fans to bring back Hollywood Hop. So we got to pull that back in here now. Yeah, uh, the real renaissance man who just built a duck house. Like You, you heard <laughs> how that went. I, we are very thankful to get questions from you guys. The off-season is the roughest time to try and fill with content. You guys help us with that, and especially right now when there is stuff to talk about, but stuff that not everybody wants to talk about. Some people do, you know. We try and give you content to listen to stuff that you genuinely want to listen to. So we're going to be in football. We're going to do this and we're going to give you guys something fun to listen to on this, your Monday, hopefully kickstarting your work week. Yeah, we could all use a little distraction at times. I feel like that's that's I'm definitely hanging out with these guys certainly is because we don't do anything productive whatsoever. Um, M Sheets 24 left a five star review. And so when you leave a five star review, we try to answer your questions. He says, you guys are by far my favorite podcast at every and every day at 11. I'm staring at my phone waiting for the update. Thank you. That's a good reminder. We've got a lot of great stuff and it posts 11 a.m. every day. Us, AP Editor Show, uh, from the podium. It, we try to get it up every day at 11 a.m. Um, his question is, after re-watching the season, and more importantly, the scoring highlights, I noticed that almost every play had key blocks down the field by players like Demarcus Robinson, The Sausage, and others. They're almost always coming 
Uh, they always they almost always come leading or creating a key block to facilitate a score. Do players who aren't as productive in scoring points deserve more credit for the effort they put in to make these plays happen? Is this a major factor as to why players like like this make the team year after year and are so well liked by by coaches? Uh, also, long live Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the reason why you got you know Demarcus Robinson and Anthony Sherman who are locker room favorites and they're locker room favorites because they're the guys that show up and they put in that kind of work. You see D-Rob spring Tyreek Hill for a touchdown. You see him, you know, box somebody out and allow Damian Williams to rush in for a touchdown same with Anthony Sherman. Those guys get the amount of love that they do because they make life easier on everybody else. And that amount of effort does not go unnoticed by coaches. So, yeah, that definitely helps them make the team, definitely helps them raise their stock in the locker room. And it's part of the reason why guys like Dave Tope that are looking for guys that are going to execute assignments and, you know, play at a high level, high effort level, I should say that make him kind of covet guys like that on his special team squad. I'm glad that you brought up Demarcus Robinson here because he gets a lot of flack, I think, from Chiefs fans for being on the field over some other guys that maybe have more potential or more talent. But you nailed it. Demarcus Robinson's a very good blocker, and not only is he good at it, he spends a lot of effort. He puts a lot of energy into hustling downfield to make late-in-the-play blocks or to get across the field and set picks on some of these rub routes. Like He does a lot of little things that don't get as much attention as the yardage and everything like that, and then he does get along with Patrick Mahomes pretty well late in plays. Like Things like that lead to him being on the field more often. If you're trying to get Demarcus Robinson off the field or Anthony Sherman or last year when they're trying to get Blake Bell off the field, you have to replace them with a guy that's going to do all the little stuff as well or it's not worth putting more talent out there. If the receiver replacing Robinson isn't going to get across the field and set a pick and then make a block once the ball's been caught by somebody else, what's the point of having them on there for every single play if they're not willing to do all the little stuff? So yeah, it definitely makes a huge difference when you're trying to fulfill or fill out an entire 53-man roster. It's not always about just having the fastest or the guys that have the most perceived talent if they can't do everything that's going to be asked of them. Yeah, it's definitely a roster construction angle. I mean, when you really think about it, and it's it's the Dave Tobe element of it for sure. Uh, it's the you know the football character element of it for sure as well. Those guys um, that are in position, doing what they're supposed to be doing it when they're supposed to be doing it, and then putting them themselves in a position to help spring big plays. Um, it's those little things like like that that ultimately allow guys to separate themselves. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, sometimes you wonder, you know, maybe they. To Matty's point. The Chiefs do not always just take the most talented 53. Like they are not trying to necessarily take some guys in big swings at the bottom of their roster. They are trying to, you know, develop, you know, players or trying to, you know, develop their special teams and, and make them a real strong unit and stuff like that. T Smith 14 asks 2021 draft hypothetical. Each of you gives one wide receiver, O-line and cornerback parentheses i know i know with the chiefs first through third round picks that you would want keep up the great work and let's bring back hollywood hop there's a clamoring for hollywood hop. we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna go we're not gonna bring back hollywood hop you're right Ken. no shout out to t smith for the review we're gonna try to answer part of your question uh we're each gonna give you one player at each we're gonna give you one player at each position i we can't do first through third round that just that'd be a lot of players but we're going to do wide receiver, O-line, cornerback, and then a bonus position. 
because Maddie's going to provide us another player. I'm going to start with the wide receiver and one guy I think that she should undoubtedly have their eye on. It's probably going to have to be at 32 because they're winning the Super Bowl again. Um, is Chris Olave, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. I think he is one of the – like if he had come out this year, he would have been one of the best route runners in the entire class. I truly believe that. Um, he's just – he wasn't as highly touted as some guys. I believe he was a late addition to their recruiting class, if I'm remembering correctly. But all he did was come in and produce right away as a freshman. And he's just a really excellent route runner. Um, he works into the blind spot of corners as good as anybody in this class and as good as anybody in the last two classes, I think. Um, I think he's got really just – he's maybe not be the most physically um, you know, imposing guy. He's six foot 185. Uh, he's probably going to need to put a little bit more on. But even though he may not be the prototypical X from a size perspective at 185, I think he could do it because his releases off the line of scrimmage are fantastic. He's a really good route runner. He's precise. There's a lot I like about him. I think you could put him at X even. For the offensive line, I'm going to take a guy that's probably more of a day two player as of right now, but it's Tyler Linderbaum. He's an offensive center at Iowa. He came to Iowa as a defensive tackle, and he actually redshirted his freshman season two years ago as a defensive tackle, made the switch to center this past season, and he made honorable mention Big Ten in his first year playing, switching positions, playing center last year for him. Much like some other Iowa centers of the past, they have this kind of reputation for having very technically sound mauling offensive line, except for at center. They seem to keep cycling in these great athletes that play center. He's right in that same mold. He's a guy, he can get to the second level extremely fast. That defensive tackle background really does show up. He's got great lateral agility. He can make all the reach blocks. He can climb to the second level super well. Being with only one year of experience at center at the college level, there's some technical issues for sure, but he's got some time. I think he's going to get good coaching there at Iowa. They seem to always get those guys coached up really well in the trenches. He's just a guy to keep your eye on if you're looking for that traditional Andy Reid with the Chiefs up until maybe lately. We'll see how it keeps going, but that athletic center guy that can really get out on the move, he's a guy to keep your eye on. Well, for cornerback, we know that that's going to be round three at the earliest because Brett Veach (laughs) does not attack that position until much later in the draft. So with that being said, there's a... I'm actually going to use a couple of guys from the same school. Uh, University of Georgia has two guys that are going to be draft eligible this year. Eric Stokes is the first one. He's 6'1", 185, and he's fast as hell. Now, he's very thin. He doesn't fight through blocks very well. He doesn't have particularly great footwork. That's probably why he's going to fall a little bit more than some of these guys. But the length, the ball skills, and the speed, we know that this team kind of covets guys like that, and he's very patient. And so I think he's a guy that I just needs a little more technique work, may have him fall in the draft a little bit, might be a guy that Steve Spagnuolo falls in love with. Opposite him is Tyson Campbell. And Tyson Campbell can press. His jam is excellent. He's 6'2", 180, another slight guy. Doesn't have the same speed, but is a longer press man corner. Another guy that may be round three, round four that the Chiefs could be looking at. Give us a tight end, Matty. Well, since the Barley Stunner got two, I'm glad I get to jump back in here and get a second guy in there. <laughs> I can't be out maddied by the Hollywood Hop. I'm going to go with tight end, though. I think there's a chance. This is this could be a year. I'm not huge on drafting a pure tight end, two for the Kansas City Chiefs. I just don't see that as a necessity with Patrick Mahomes and the way the offense is going. 
But in this tight end class, if you can get a guy that can eventually, at the end of his rookie contract, take over for Travis Kelsey, if you need to, or if you can find a way to use this elite, talented guy better, Kyle Pitts, tight end out of the University of Florida, He's only 19 years old, and he was he's easily one of the best route runners in all of college football, not just at tight end, but at any position. He put Derek Stingley, that the best corner in college football by most people, through the blender as a tight end on a couple post routes and a deep out route last year. This guy can move. He's not the best blocker, but I don't think it matters when you're looking at a tight end that has his, his athletic profile and route running chops. I think he's a guy you have to keep your eye on. If Florida gets competent QB play for from Kyle Trask this year, he could put up some monster numbers and really be in contention for a first-round tight end up there with Pat Fryermouth from Penn State. Now, it, just just for everybody, because you can't see the video, <laughs> as soon as Matt said he's 19 years old, Kent literally started rubbing his hands together like in anticipation. Hey, get, there's nothing creepy. Just give me the ceiling. I love the ceiling of a young player. I fell for Amobi Okoye very hard because he was 19 years old when he got drafted. Uh, hey, look, especially a position like tight end where you're probably not getting much out of him year one, that's a good spot to develop a guy, a young guy that's probably going to be 20 on draft day. Take him, give him a little bit of time, and then you know unleash him in 2022. Uh and he's 21 years old, and then you run through his rookie contract, and you're and you're extending a guy at 24 years old. Wow, that sounds awesome. That's old. How old was Travis Kelsey when he was drafted? <laughs> he's like 24. Yeah, exactly. And he still had it's a like getting. Year, it's right? like getting. It's getting Travis Kelsey developed before 24. Hayden Hurst is like 30 already, <laughs> and he was drafted. The Baltimore Ravens took Hayden Hurst before Lamar Jackson. By the way, just so you know. So the Ravens didn't exactly nail that right off the bat either. They've already traded Hayden Hurst. Sorry, he was like 27 when he got take, got took. For reference, Kyle Pitts is 19 years old. I think he was playing at 18 years old last year. If I'm not mistaken, maybe he was still 19. Wow. But he is six foot six, 240 pounds, and he's like barely entering his prime. He is a guy that, yes, if you want to buy the upside, I mean, you can watch him. He's a good technical route runner for the tight end, especially at the college level. So it's not like he's just all youth. But yes, Kit got a little excited when he heard his age. It, <laughs> it happens around here, you know. Kit, Kit gets a little jumpy when he hears those, you know, sub 20 numbers, man. I dig him. APNerdSquad at gmail.com. If you want to email us, that is our address. Not everyone jumps on Twitter. Not everyone leaves a five-star review. You should leave a five-star review, though. But just just in, just hit us up at APNerdSquad at gmail.com. Lincoln Cook did that and said, Hello, Hollywood Swanson, the true Renaissance man, and Matthew, right down the lane. I like that. How is it that the Chiefs, both the team overall and several players are still underrated. Tyron Matthew is easily a top three defensive back in the NFL, but is constantly passed over by the new shiny guy. Mitchell Schwartz is the most consistent taken for granted tackle is never recognized. Travis Kelsey has been the best tight end for the last four to five years, but everyone skipped him from Gronk to Kittle. The team has won the AFC West more in the last decade than any other team. And somehow Patrick LeVon Mahomes is not truly appreciated for his greatness. Everyone agrees and says, yep, Mahomes is great, but nobody ever talks about how and why he is the future GOAT. 
Please tell me I am not crazy and comment on why one or all of these players that are underrated in the minds of the NFL. Thank you, Lincoln. I will take Tyron Matthew here first. Tyron Matthew has an injury history that has followed him around. He just hasn't been able to be on the field enough and consistently enough to put together the body of great work like we saw last season. Yes, he was phenomenal. He was a defensive player of the year candidate. You could argue that he was probably the guy that could have gotten that nod, but that was one year. He needs to do it again. Now, I will say an overarching thing on all of these guys, now that they've won a championship, now that Andy Reid has won, you're going to see a lot of nods go to these guys. They're going to get a lot more respect. The reason that Gronk always got the nod over Travis Kelsey is because he was out here winning championships with Tom Brady. The reason that you've seen other tackles get nods over Mitchell Schwartz is because they were winning more. They were going further in the playoffs. They were doing a little bit more. So in that regard, I think we'll see a lot of the come up for a lot of these guys. I'll take Travis Kelsey since Craig took Tyron Matthew. The issue that Travis Kelsey faced is Rob Gronkowski at his peak is probably the best peak performance of tight end play that you're going to see. Like, prime Rob Gronkowski is does stuff that no other tight end in the history can do just given the size the power and the athleticism Travis Kelsey came right on the heels of peak Gronkowski and while he overtook him a lot earlier as the best tight end in the NFL than people wanted to admit it's just coming on the heels of that and then having somebody like George Kittle come up who has really fun highlight plays running after the catch or making big blocks he kind of gets lost in the shuffle but it's very simple. Travis Kelsey has been better than Gronkowski over the last four or five years. He's been better than George Kittle over that same time period. And it's not particularly close. It's just, as Craig alluded to, the Chiefs hadn't been winning at the same rate. So it's hard to give a team that's not constantly competing at the Super Bowl level until recently the same kind of attention. I think that is going to start to change. When people look back on this Chiefs team, you're going to hear Kelsey Matthew, Mitchell Schwartz, you're going to hear them all talked about as very, very good players, probably a lot higher level talk about than you get in the past about the same guys just because they are finally starting to win now. It would have been nice to see uh, Kelsey versus Kittle in the Super Bowl, but Georgia didn't play, so... Um, <laughs> just, Maybe. He, he did some good things. I'm Dan Sorensen took him out one-on-one. I saw it. <laughs> um, I... It, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Patrick Levon Mahomes real quick because two things, um, it, it's it's due, but also I don't think we really like the funny thing is during the off season, we don't talk a ton about Patrick Mahomes. We really don't, and part of it is because of your questions. We don't at, get asked questions a lot about Patrick Mahomes either, and this is my point. No, no, the questions we get are about do we need to pay him less than he's worth. <laughs> Those are the questions we get about Patrick. Yeah, it's all true. contract related. But here's okay. But here's the thing, and I, it it bears out in some of the questions we've gotten in the last forever. Patrick Mahomes has normalized being one of the best athletes in the history of the world. He is normalizing how good he is. This is not just hyperbole from a Chiefs fan. He has normalized things that. Other people aspire to have in small doses of their career. So he's just, you set Patrick Mahomes there and you forget it. 
we get questions asked besides Patrick Mahomes because it's so obvious the answer to all these different questions. He is that much better than everybody else on the face of the earth at the position, and that is why we are experiencing what we are experiencing with the overrated. It's not that we're overrating him. It's that people are bored talking about comparing Mahomes to somebody else. They can't do it. He has shattered every expectation anyone could have ever for him. And it's just become normalized. David asks, uh, he sends in apnerdsquad at, at gmail.com. Thanks again for a great podcast. It really helps me get through the offseason. I would give you a new five-star rating if I had not already. Thank you. Someone pick David up. Why not? YOLO. Just give us another one. Shoot us one out. Question uh, is, in the podcast recently, you mentioned that Anthony Hitchens might be a cut next year. Do you think Damian Wilson or Darius Harris or anyone else on the roster rather than number 56 have potential at Mike Linebacker? Unfortunately, no. And we haven't, we've talked a little bit about the fact that they don't really have a Mike linebacker that's really worth their salt right now behind Anthony Hitchens. And you can argue that maybe they don't have one at all. I do think that they are going to try and help develop Willie Gay to maybe take on that role a little bit better and maybe try and draft a more athletic Will linebacker, not more athletic than Willie Gay, more athletic than the rest of the guys that they have here. Try and get a a much faster linebacker core on the field. We know Steve Spagnuolo wants those. We know Matt House wants guys like that as well. I just don't think that there's a really credible backup to him right now. Ben Neiman's the guy for 2020, and that's frankly a little bit scary because I don't know that Ben Neiman can handle everything that he needs to do in that role. So I I would like to see maybe if there's some cuts, there's a guy that maybe floats out there, even a veteran that's basically you know on his last legs there bring a guy in and hope that you can kind of have a decent backup mic behind anthony hitchens all right we are going to take a break and we'll be back with your questions from twitter right after this We are continuing to answer your questions. We are now pivoting to what you asked us on Twitter. Ben Y asks, which player do you hope turns the corner in 2020 and figures it out? I like this question. Obviously, we've had some different angles alike, you know, that you know plays may, we might believe or you know think, but hope is a different question. Uh, and for me, I think my hope is that Charvarius Ward continues to take another step. I think that's my hope is that he really develops more consistency consistency. What we saw some of you know, some of his bright spots in the regular season as opposed to what we saw in the playoffs. I hope we get another lay, level of Charvarius Ward. The maybe, you know, like it sounded like to me when I was listening to some of the press conferences, Sam Madison, the onus on him. Uh, or, or the burden placed on on uh, Charvarius Ward is, is is locating the football, making plays on the football. If he's able to do that more consistency, consistently get his head turned, make plays on the football. That's a massive help for this football team. So I think for me, my hope is that Charvarius Ward takes a step this year, turns the corner, and really puts himself in a position to potentially get paid. Yeah, and just before I go on mine, we talked a little bit in the DM this week about how... 
I can believe that Charvarius Ward needs LASIK just from watching the Baltimore game. We were talking about the Baltimore game and him trying to locate that ball in air late in the game. You know, that game was way out of hand. The Chiefs should have been winning that by three touchdowns. But I can believe that he struggles to find it because he just can't see it. If that happened, we might see that step get taken. My guy is going to be Austin Ryder. If the Chiefs can get something out of Austin Ryder, if he takes a next step there, Obviously, it helps protect Patrick Mahomes, but I think you can kind of shore some things up. If Martinez Rankin comes back and he looks good and Austin Ryder looks good, then all of a sudden you've got LDT, Mitchell Schwartz, and Eric Fisher. Guys, that's a good offensive line. If Austin Ryder can step up and be you know, a contributor, take that next step forward, that would help the Chiefs just be a significantly better offensive line. And Patrick Mahomes even gets to be even, even better. I'm actually going to throw it back to right before the break. I would love to see Anthony Hitchens turn the corner because when you get, when he comes back into the lineup and he gets to set the defense before the snap, you see the communications on another level. The Chiefs players are in the right call, in the right position, a lot more often when Anthony Hitchens is on the field versus somebody else. The issue becomes when he is isolated into having to make a play. It has not been as good as you would hope watching Anthony Hitchens, whether it's in coverage or against the run, there's just a lot more ups and downs than you'd like. Given his ability to lead and to kind of be that coach on the field for the defense, I would love to see his play start to turn and just hedge towards above average consistently because I think that would make a huge difference for just how good or bad this defense can look on any given play. All right, our pal Ron Cop asks, was there a player that you guys tried to play like back in the day, Kenton Nat? And who would you model your game after in your imaginary pro football career, Craig? Well, since I played in the trenches, I modeled my game after Randy Moss because I would like to have been a wide receiver. (laughs) And he was one of my favorite players ever. No, realistically, it was Jared Allen for me. Being a Chiefs fan, when he was coming up, that was kind of like when I was really trying to be good at specific stuff. So he was a guy that I could look to, I think, to try to pick how I was going to play because he wasn't the most elite athlete. He wasn't the biggest. He wasn't the fastest. And it's not even like his technique was picture perfect at that time. He just had a lot of energy. He used his leverage really well. Just things that like I felt like I could attempt to emulate when I was trying to play. So he was a guy that like I really tried to be like when I was out on the field. Mine is the pride of Saskatchewan. Hunter John Ryan for the Seahawks. <laughs> My man was around here forever. He won a Super Bowl. I mean, he was a third-round draft pick, so he made a little money in his time, and he just basically got to walk on the field, punt, leave. Like, that was his day. That That's my fantasy everything right there. Put a ring on my finger. I get to be in the league for a long time. And I don't got to do much of anything. It's 2020, and we still pay a person millions of dollars to do just that. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, so this is it, its going to sound like a homer take, but there's more to it. Um, I kind of, in a lot of ways, modeled my game after Trent Green without really trying all that much. And here's, let me just explain. My coach was my coach in college, my offensive coordinator, my head coach. If you listen to the show, you've probably heard me say this before. Uh, was the backup quarterback for Trent Green in the early 2000s, Jonathan Quinn. He brought a lot of what um, the Chiefs ran during the glory days of the of the Chiefs offense uh, in the early 2000s. We used a lot of that. Uh, Jeremy, is it Jeremy Bates, I think is his name, the, the quarterback coach. 
Um, we used a lot of uh, his technique, you know, a lot of the stuff that he taught. So we watched a lot of Trent Green tape uh, when we were trying to, like a lot of teach tape when we were just trying to understand concepts, trying to learn concepts, footwork, uh, you know, ball, ball handling mechanics, head fakes, all those kind of things was a lot of Trent Green. So, and we were learning that from him. And I guess you could kind of say Jonathan Quinn too. So, cause we were watching him do a lot of that stuff too. He would teach us like that. So that's kind of who I wound up modeling my game after. Uh, I wasn't any good though. Uh, <laughs> so like admittedly, like I was just, you know, I, I, I wasn't any good. Wasted motion asks, it's not a sore subject. If Reed wanted to install another Poe dozer goal line package, it's hungry pig, right, sir? Uh, who of the defensive tackles is most likely to get the nod? I, it, this got brought up a little bit before the show, and I know I'm stealing it, but there's only one answer here. Yeah, it's it's Colin Saunders. The man played running back. We had we got to check out his his basically his high school huddle. We got to see him carry the ball at you know at the weight that he was back then which was significantly heavier than most high school running backs and my man has sweet feet he has nice lateral agility he was making dudes miss I, you're giving the ball to Colin Saunders and you're saying punch this in from the 2 yard line and he might 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 make some of these fast chargers linebackers just kind of whiff on him in the open field too that'd be pretty sweet all right, Jay the Fan asks, if the Chiefs offensive and defensive linemen played King of the Mountain, which player ends up on top? This is such an off-season question. Uh, Jay the Fan's going with Mike Pinnell. I mean, I think Mike Pinnell's probably a pretty good favorite. I, I'm torn here because the Mike Pinnell pick makes a lot of sense for a lot of things, but I might go with Derek Nadi just because I don't know how you're going to move him off this hill. Like, he's practically the sitting on the hill he's like just short and stout you're not going to get underneath him to topple him down he's just going to keep get the leverage battle keep tossing you up and over your only hope is the reach but i don't know i'm, I'm gonna take Derek naughty here I, I think he's a guy it's once he gets up there you're not getting him down he just has to get up there first slip under that reach he's got it it has been well established that this is the Derek naughty fan podcast so i'm too going with Derek naughty end of story he wins I don't want to sweep it. <laughs> oh, I got a good one. You can have Nadia. I won't sweep it. I'm going to go with Andrew Wiley because he'll throw down like five Bud Lights and then mm. just charge up the hill with reckless abandon. Yeah. Element of surprise there. That's not bad. That's not bad. Give me Nick Allegretti. Big nasty. Let's see what. Let's see what's up with a Nick Allegretti. I would say Chris Jones, but he went to the wrong hill. Oh, what? Oh, no, you're going to piss some people off. <laughs> oh, we got to recover from that one. Uh, best ice cream frozen custard place in the KC Metro. I have a new residence in the area and need some recommendations. Uh, welcome to Kansas City, first off. Uh, Sheridan's is pretty good. Uh, and it's not really uh, – it depends on where you've moved from because there are some other places that have this this joint. But Andy's frozen custard. It's in this. It's in Southern Missouri. Uh, it's now in Kansas City, and it is just delightful. I've not had a bad experience there once. 
strongly strongly suggest it oh oh craig do you actually have one i, I just left you guys off this because i didn't think you would have a take since you know you don't love live locally go to betty ray's oh you will not answer. regret it that's more ice cream that's not really that's frozen that's custard, fine. But you did ask for ice it cream is too. ice cream. yeah yeah it's no that's a very very strong suggestion sheridan's chocolate Get the chocolate with the Heath bar. That's all you need to do. Go to Sheridan's, get the chocolate Ooh. custard with some Heath bar in there. Also, real quick, I think I said Jeremy Bates was the quarterback coach. No, it's Terry Shea. Sorry, I mixed those up real quick off the top of my head. It's Terry Shea, and he, he wound up being the offensive coordinator in Chicago, took my coach with him for a year, and that didn't end well for either of them. <laughs> uh, Laytony44 asks, which cheese player would be the most famous if they never got into sports? This is a tricky question because it's not even like you could pick that this guy would become good at another sport. But I think if you just look at personalities, Travis Kelsey has probably the best chance to be famous doing something. Like his TV show, while kind of uh, odd, still played. Like he did not look (laughs) out of place being on TV, being in the limelight. He's got a very big personality. He would find a way to be somebody, even if it wasn't for football. Chris Jones. Chris Jones just has a, is a an incredibly charismatic person. I I think you see that he relates very well to Chiefs fans. He's very good with the media. So I don't think that it would take too terribly much for Chris Jones to be like a a, a host of some kind, just somebody that can kind of come in and lead something and know that you're going to get just this genuine charismatic person. Uh- Maybe Sammy Watkins. Oh, like is Sammy Watkins like is if he is he a motivational speaker in some capacity with his with his um with his Lizard King kind of vibes and all that stuff? Does he turn that and write a book and become famous? Does Starship Fourteen take off? Mm. Does he have a side side project like that that just kind of makes him famous? This sounds like a documentary that I want to watch now. Yeah, yeah documentary kind of. on the lizard king can we use tomba holly here with his tomba juice single oh there you go is there any, is there any cheese players that are putting any putting any music out right now breezy breezy maybe breezy yeah, but have you heard it <coughs> all right brandon 422 asks craig for his most controversial beer take i know what it is i'm gonna see if he does it i'm i'm gonna do it I'm going to oh. do it. And when you have a problem with this, just make it a five-star review, but you can complain in the reviews. Guys, Tank 7 is mad average. I, I'm. <laughs> That's the kindest are, thing Craig has ever said about Tank 7, by the way. There are significantly better farmhouses and Saison's that are out there. Boulevard makes a better one. Brett Saison is a significantly better Saison to me. And again, these are my opinions. You drink what you like. I'm never going to be or shame anybody. But BKS Artisan Ales there in Kansas City makes also phenomenal Saison's. If you are in Kansas City, you get Funkworks that makes phenomenal Saison's. If you are just exposed to Boulevard's Tank 7, go out and try one of those other ones. See if you like it better than Tank 7. I personally do. I don't get the hoopla about it. it it's In my eyes, it's a little bit of an overrated beer. Kansas City loves it a lot more than I do. <laughs> Maui, 
OI asks, Aloha, AP Nerd Squad. Where does a Spags defense rank this year? Who got it right in last year's predictions? Mahalo for all the great content. Mahalo, Maui. I I think that the Spags defense this year has a chance to be top 10 points per game. Not yards. Again, Spagnolo will tell you first and foremost, he does not care about yards. I think it's got a chance to be top 10 points per game. Just the returning everybody, they're all going to be on the same page, and they're not learning a new defense. We saw the effectivity of that defense last year, and they got to add a little bit more to it. As far as last year's predictions, I don't recall who predicted what and when, but I think we were saying maybe close to the middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. Middle of the I pack. Think, I, I think the optimistic side was in that 13-14 range maybe, and I think the pessimist was maybe 20-22. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think we could have hoped that they were going to be as exotic I, for certain. Yeah. You know, with the different coverages, the, we thought that they were going to be exotic with blitzes and stuff like that. But coverage-wise, Steve Spagnuolo kept people on their toes really, really well. So I, I don't think that we even got as close as we really thought we were going to be in last year's predictions. I think the defense will be tied for eighth when you kind of combine, you know, points against, yards against, turnovers forced, all, you know, every metric you want to use to talk about who the best defense is. I'm going to go tied for eighth this upcoming year. I do think, like Craig said, they're probably going to be the worst off in terms of yards allowed. It's just something that they will sacrifice yards to not put points on the board. I think you are going to see them come away with more turnovers this year. I do think that's been a big thing to them this offseason or it's going to be going into next year get more turnovers. I would not be surprised to see them much closer to the top of the league lead in terms of turnovers this upcoming season, though. Put me down for 13th. Maybe a little bit a little bit more pessimistic hater. than you guys right now. What a hater. I just I think it's just gonna be maybe some circumstantial stuff that happens. Honestly, just you know, maybe they're not healthy at all the key positions the entire season, stuff like that. Maybe there's a little bit more attrition here and there. Um, take some time for them to get kind of going and stuff like that because, well, Craig, you have a maybe. Take? Maybe they're so good for the first three quarters that they pull everybody and team score in the fourth quarter. Is that basically what you're saying? That was actually going to be part yeah, of the take yeah. too, but whatever. <laughs> okay, you know, whatever. Don't believe me. That's fine. I'm a man of integrity. I know my own heart. Taylor Sandell asks, who ends up on the 53-man roster in the running back room? Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Dame, Damien Wilson and who, or Damien Williams and who is the third? Oh, I think Daryl Williams will be the third, and I think Darwin Thompson will be the fourth, and I think they ride in there with four of them because if Andy Reid has been nothing but candid about this, they constantly have beat up running backs. They constantly have to bring in guys at the running back position throughout the year. He made a very big point over his career here that they need to have more running backs ready to go. Just about every offseason, he says the exact same thing. I think they're going to walk into the season with four. I know it's going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It's going to be Damian Wilson, Damian Williams, excuse me. I expect Daryl Williams to come back and take over his role. He was very good on third downs as a blocking back and kind of a short yardage guy. And I don't think they're ready to give up on Darwin Thompson yet. Yeah, I I think Matt's definitely right on all of that stuff. I I think people forget that Spencer Ware was on this team for three games last year. I mean, we remember LaShawn McCoy being on this team, being a healthy scratch through basically the Super Bowl there, a non-factor. But they have to bring in guys 
every single year. So to Maddie's point there, they're not going to move on from a guy unless they just straight up believe that they can get more out of another guy or that they can get more rotationally out of another guy than they have i.e. Carlos Hyde and even then with Carlos Hyde he might have stuck on the roster if they weren't offered Martinez Rankin I would not be stunned in the slightest if Damian Williams is not on this football team before the season starts I will maintain I would not be stunned to see them trade him potentially to Bill O'Brien for I don't know Three second round picks. I th- I know I I do think Damian Williams. I'm not I'm not sure it's a lock that he's here. And if we said that a couple times, but also why are we sleeping on DeAndre Washington? Like I feel like DeAndre Washington is hands down a better football player than Darwin Thompson. They, the chief, Patrick Mahomes did not trust Dar- Darwin Thompson. I've been watching some of the playoff football. It, Darwin Thompson was wide open on an angle route that I'm going to talk about. Uh, at some point here this summer because Clyde doing some of this stuff is going to be a lot of fun. And he just stood up and threw a like a hitch to the to the backside receiver because he didn't want to throw it to Darwin. I don't think there's a... And then Darwin couldn't turn his head on one of the routes where, where he was hot, I believe, and Pat was trying to throw it to him and hit him in the back because Darwin didn't look. DeAndre Washington could make this football team. Do not be stunned if DeAndre Washington makes this football team. Chief Anglin 55 asks, is there any player you see being in Brett being a Brett Veach special trading a player who won't start for a player with massive upside uh keep an eye on Darwin Thompson for me I think Darwin Thompson is a guy that a team might be interested in in acquiring I don't know if it's going to be a massive upside like I think that might be a little bit too overplayed I think Brett Veach has been really savvy with his preseason trades and these up to roster trades. I don't know if it's necessarily just like we're just going to get these big swings and all that stuff. I could see the Chiefs moving on from a Darwin Thompson to a team that wanted him. I can see the Chiefs moving on from a second round pick for another second round pick that also hasn't really performed. We've talked about it a little bit. What if the Chiefs sent Breland Speaks to Arizona for Hassan Reddick? Woo. Upgrade. That's a first round pick, Hassan Reddick. A uh, first round trick, Hassan Reddick. I'm so sorry. You're absolutely right. But basically, trying to get value for value, it doesn't look so bad on its face for either GM because you're trading for an early round pick and you're able to make that swap. You're not just giving up on the player for pennies like we saw with like the Darren Lee trade last year. But give Hassan Reddick a little bit more room. Give Breland Speaks a little clearer avenue to more playing time and just kind of try and improve the situation for both players. I think a guy, I can't mention him earlier and I didn't talk about then, we'll talk about now. Damian Williams, I think that he could have, you get teams every year. Running backs get hurt every single season. It's part of why you don't pay them. The health isn't just that stable. But if you get a team that needs a running back, Damien Williams, if he's available for trade, which he very well may be, not going to be a starter for the Chiefs, especially by the midway point of the season, he's a guy that could be shipped out to get a player back that could be part of a rotation that maybe has some upside. Maybe you see a tight end out there that didn't work out from the 2017 draft. Maybe there's a corner that you think fills a role that you don't have right now that's just not working out with the team, whoever that may be. It's kind of hard to pick the trade partner for now. But I think Damian Williams could have a little bit of trade value just because he's coming off the playoff run and he's improving capable and plays a position that other players are going to get hurt at. 
All right, that is going to do it for the mailbag edition of the show. We will be back on Wednesday. Uh, make sure you're checking out the AP Editor Show. That should be launching tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, and they'll be back on Thursday as well. We've got a lot of great stuff going on the AP Podcast channel. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for your questions. We'll catch you later.